Do you ever wonder how your favorite country artist got to where they are today? We had no fear whatsoever. In fact, we we probably made a lot of mistakes. People go, what are they doing? They're not ready for this. But we were so hungry to be out there in front of people that we probably should have spent a little more time honing our craft <laughs> before we just dove in. Did success come easy or was it a long, hard road? I wasn't sure I was going to make it at all, but I just kept like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. What advice would they give to a young artist? The greatest advice Elvis ever gave me. If you ever forget where you came from, you're never going to get where you want to go. Meet our co-hosts, Candy O'Terry and J.C. Don Valeris. They sat down with icons in the music industry, and you've got a front row seat. Welcome to Country Music Success Stories. Hi, I'm Candy O'Terry. And I'm J.C. Don Valeris. This is a very special episode, taped on the rhinestone stage at the Glen Campbell Museum, the jewel of Broadway. There is so much talent in Nashville, and we wanted to introduce you to some incredibly talented emerging artists who are this close to making it big. Darren and Brooke Aldridge are a married couple who were just born to sing together. Their harmonies, their phrasing, their musicality are just perfection. In 2021, they were nominated for Vocal Group of the Year by the International Bluegrass Music Association, and Brooke is a four-time winner of Vocalist of the Year. They've performed at the Grand Ole Opry 35 times and counting, and their album, This Life We're Living, which features a track with the Oak Ridge Boys, is climbing the charts with songs about life on the road, their love of making music, and their mission to send positive messages through their songs. We started out by asking Brooke how she met Darren in the first place. Through our families, really. Our families were from the same area in North Carolina, a little town called Newland, North Carolina. So I grew up around all of his cousins and aunts and uncles. And every time he would come to town to visit, because he lived about two hours out from a little town called Cherryville, he would come up and visit and his family would be like, you've got to meet Brooke at some point, you know. And of course, when they saw me, they'd be like, you've got to meet Darren sometime. And so eventually it was just meant to happen. I think we emailed back and forth a couple of times before we ever met in person. And then uh, he came to fill in for a group that I was playing for at a little country church. We just hit it off, started making music together and just became really good friends. And uh, then eventually he popped the question. And <laughs> I think our families wondered why it took so long. Take us back to that moment when you first sang together. That was uh, in the church that she mentioned, and I'd been called to fill in to play mandolin with the group there. I knew a couple of the guys that she was performing with, and of course I'd heard all the great things about this young lady singing. Then I heard the other two guys singing with her that morning, and they both were good, but they wasn't up to par to near what she was putting out. <laughs> so I kind of moved them out of the way, and I was like, you know, let me sing with her on this next song. Then after that, our voices blended, and we, we grew up listening to the same things, and you know the influences were the same, so it was very easy when we started singing together. Well, you say that you grew up listening to the same things. Each of us, tell us, who were your big influences then? Well, of course, Dolly and Emmy Lou and Linda Ronstadt and the trio. Wow. Yeah, amazing, right? My mom was a huge Emmy Lou Harris fan, so her music always felt like it was playing around the house. Uh, of course, Ricky Skaggs and Vince Gill. Marty Stewart, you know, all those, those earlier country artists that we all loved. I loved Loretta Lynn, Coal Miner's Daughter. That was one of my early childhood movies that I remember watching and just fell in love with her instantly. My mom was in, and dad were in Ricky Skaggs' fan club, you know, and we had all those records. I clogged as, as a young child. My mom had a clogging team, and 
we heard all the bluegrass. My grandpa was a great singer and picker. So the gospel and bluegrass was always in my family, though I never did start playing until I was like 16 bluegrass. I played other types of music. I remember the first influences was, was the Beach Boys. Oh. I loved that singing and that harmony. And you know and Glenn Campbell was absolutely. part of the Beach Boys at one it point, sure too. Was. That's right. Sure was. And um, so I listened to a lot of that, and I was clogging on the side. I had an older brother that played drums a little bit, and some of his buddies played the 80s hairband music, you know, so rock music. So I was like the guitar and everything, so I would listen to them guys, and I was the younger brother, so I wanted to go down there and aggravate them, <laughs> and then started picking up a little bit, and then I'd listen to some of the songs they was and figure them out, you know, on the guitar what to play. So the next week when they came over, I knew the guitar parts better than they did. So then they said, ah, oh, you can pick with us, you know, if you want to. So I had that kind of influence, and then listening to Hee Haw, on TV and the Opry on TV made a big thing. So all the, the people that she just said, I really loved the records and loved singing and felt like that was just home for me. Well, the latest album is called This Life We're Living and it includes five original songs. Tell us a little bit about the co-write. There's an art to it. How does it work for the two of you? We've been writing songs ever since we met each other, and we've always put at least one original song on every album that we've ever put out. But during the pandemic, of course, we were all stuck at home, and uh, Darren and I always kept saying over the last couple of years, we've got to sit down and write more. During that time, it was like God was saying, now's the time. So the pandemic wasn't terrible in all aspects because we did get to do a lot of writing and co-writing. And uh, thank goodness for Zoom and all those platforms that came out during that time, because we probably wrote, I'd say, over 30 songs yeah. just wow. during the pandemic. Time well spent, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. This Life We're Living is definitely one of our most special albums we put out. Speaking of the pandemic, it really shut down an artist's ability to go out on the road and make money. What did you do to stay connected with your fans during this time? We did a whole bunch of like YouTube Live and Facebook Live events. We... Uh, called it a Sunday shut-in. I think we did it at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we developed a good, huge crowd to join us in, talk. You know, we could see the chats. And I went in and bought a lot of different stuff, I'm sure, like everybody did off Amazon or eBay. You got film equipment and lights and all that stuff to set up at home, how to do that. So it was very fun. And it felt like you could stay connected with a lot of the folks and they'd send you requests you wanted to hear and we did different nights gospel nights we did like a bill monroe night we did a classic country duet night this kept things you know kind of going all throughout i didn't do a beach boys night but i should have <laughs> you can still do it there's still time That's right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can do a whole glenn campbell night <laughs> yeah we, we did some of glenn's songs at that time and we're playing the grand Ole opry july the 8th mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah yeah Speaking of the Grand Ole Opry, what's it like to walk out on that stage? Uh, there are no words. I mean, it's surreal. Every moment we get to, to step out there in that circle and just standing there in those lights and in that special circle, it's just like you channel all these different artists that you know have stood there before you and still stand there today, a lot of them. But the feeling is really, it's indescribable. Yeah. It was so much that we wrote a song about it. <laughs> We put it on a new record, and it's up for Song of the Year nomination this year for IBMA so far. The circle can't be broken. It's always there and open. With a light on it for those who sing their songs. From Bill Monroe to Ricky, the flag just grows in many. Six feet 
are at the Glen Campbell Museum, and we always like to ask artists, if you can honestly answer this question, was there a song of Glenn's that really sticks to you or has a place in your heart? Gentle on My Mind comes to everybody's mind, and uh, I think that was a, uh, a great recording. I love that so much. Of course, it's John Hartford wrote the song, but uh, this is beautiful words, his delivery of that, I really enjoyed. I know Brooks got several favorites. And I really liked his last album that he got to do that Carl Jackson got to produce and sing on. He had a lot of special guests on there. I still Ghost on the canvas. I, I brought it out. This last trip on the road, it's one of the CDs that I still carry. I know everybody don't listen to CDs anymore, but I still got a CD player in our Sprinter <laughs> van. And uh, we listen to it coming down the road. And Adios is just a great tune uh-huh. as well. Carl's a special friend. Got to sing with him earlier this week, and I called him in here in the museum just a little while ago to tell him where we was. But yeah, I think those two are, are very good for me. I really like Gentle My Mind, of course, as well. But uh, Rhinestone Cowboy, we were talking about that song coming out here on Sunday night. Just the line that talks about... Road of Compromising. Yes. On the road to my horizon. On the road to my horizon. How many people can make a rhyme like that? There's a load of compromising on the road to my horizon. That's great. (laughs) Do you remember the very first time you ever sang in front of someone? What was the song? What was the reaction? Well, when I was in elementary school, they had an annual talent show every year. Yes, I, I don't know if all schools were like that. Uh, in different states, but uh, I did that all the way through eighth grade. And the very first song I remember singing was when I was in second grade, and I sang uh, Mi Vida Loca by Pam Tillis. A Spanish teacher who ended up being my Spanish teacher in high school uh, let me borrow like a, a poncho and like the sombrero and everything. And I, <laughs> I, yeah, and so I did like this little dance, and I think I, I still have it on video somewhere. I've got to pull all those archives back out, but I remember doing that song that year, and uh, I think. I did a, another song with some friends, Ain't Nothing Wrong With the Radio by Aaron Tiffin. <laughs> so just getting out in front of you know, the audience and singing those songs, I had no fear as a kid. I would, I would dance around and, and do you know, whatever I felt like the audience would enjoy. And so, yeah, those moments are really sweet well, to when think you, back on. When you give us those two titles, that gives us a real good glimpse of how outgoing you were as a 10-year-old, right? That's right, yeah. My goodness, how about you, Darren? Do you remember the first song you ever sang in front of somebody? Uh, we both sang in church, so I'm sure we sang in church probably first in front of folks but in front of a crowd for entertaining I mentioned I clogged as a young child my mother had a clogging team and I was like Brooke I was no fear I was the comedian I'd laugh and carry on so I remember doing a Ray Stevens skit out there in between the clogging I think I did Mississippi Squirrel Revival and I could do all that I love it my friend Adam's out here and I know he knows a bunch of Ray Stevens but uh, I love those things but probably for money I sang at the Cleveland County Fair, and I sang Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys. <laughs> wow. I love those stories. Those and I got great. first prize for that. So. <laughs> so it was a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so sticking with the theme of firsts, do you remember the first time you ever heard a song of yours on the radio? Oh, my gosh. Just emotions. I mean, it just runs all over you when you, when you hear that for the first time. And, and now with SiriusXM, you know, the name pops up in your car. So it's like you, you see that and it's like, is that really, am I really, is that me? <laughs> it's a feeling that's, that's really hard to describe unless you've experienced it yourself. So it's really special. Yeah. Mine was uh, the very first solo record I did back in probably 1999, 98. Imagine in our local, it's a big radio station there in Spindale, North Carolina with Isle Thermal College, WNCW. My first album was featured on there. So that, I remember where I was 
uh, at that time in Cleveland County listening to that. The rhinestone stage at the Glen Campbell Museum is becoming our home away from home, and it was the perfect place for our interview with a rising star from Bardstown, Kentucky, named Dustin Collins. He's been getting a lot of experience touring with and learning from superstars like Tanya Tucker, Colt Ford, and Kane Brown. Music has always been a part of his life, and we couldn't wait to hear more about where he grew up and what life was like there. I come from a small town called New Haven, Kentucky, that's about 12 miles south out in the middle of the sticks. How many people live there? As of the census, I think it's like 835. That's like living in a town where everybody knows your business, am I right? Oh yeah, they all know everything all the time, (laughs) and I live like right there in the middle of town, so... If I'm sitting on the porch, people just honk when they're passing by. So it's, That's beep, Dustin. Beep, How's beep. it going? Yeah, and if I'm out there for too long, people just kind of pull in the yard and come out there and talk to you for a little while. Tell us how old you were when you got your first guitar and who gave it to you? Stepdad gave me my first guitar when I was probably 10. I wasn't real good at it at all until I was like 20. But <laughs> did, you, a, did you play it till your fingers bled, Dustin? Uh, sometimes, and I, I, think, I think they heard Sweet Home Alabama so many times that they are okay with never hearing it again. Did you get lessons, or did you teach yourself, and if so, how did you do that? My dad wrote some chords down on a piece of paper, like uh, kind of made the guitar strings and put dots and the frets, and he was like, here, learn these, and when you learn these, come back, I'll give you four more. They wouldn't let me play with them until I could, I could get through all the chords and learn what timing was and all that stuff, so I had a lot of room time of just learning the chords by myself. Who were some of your idols when you were growing up? Tracy Lawrence, for sure. Great, great songwriter and musician. Hank Jr., of course. More recently, uh, guys I've looked up to for a while is Jason Aldean and uh-huh. all the things that they've done, and, and they get out and you know rock it out real good and have a great live show, and that's what we've kind of tried to do our whole time, making music. How did you form your own unique sound? Writing songs. You know, you just, yeah. you just kind of sit in there and you write and write and write until you hate it and then you let somebody else hear it and they either hate it or they love it. And, and then uh, we started writing some good ones. Do you remember the first time you performed on stage? What did you sing? It was like Dust on the Bottle at a, <laughs> a singing contest at the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. That's like, uh, awesome. <laughs> It was like 15, 14 or something wow. like that. It was the first real stage that wasn't like in the backyard or something with a bunch of people hanging out. Did you know instantly this is what I would like to do with the rest of my life? No, I actually uh, wanted to pursue a career in fish and wildlife. I had a buddy of mine that uh, was in it and he said, well, you got a better chance of being a rock star than you do of getting a job here. <laughs> because, You're kidding. Well, it's apparently a hard process and everybody wants those jobs. So I was like, well, I guess I'll go to Nashville and and try to play guitar. That's awesome. That is a first. (laughs) Oh, my God. Harder to to get a job in fish and wildlife than it was to become a rock star. Yeah, that's that's what he told me. So I was like, well, I guess get uh, get my guitar and go back to doing that. So you started songwriting. I was like 16 or 17 years old. And about that time when everything's going good and then going terrible and then you hate everything. And so, I, you know, I wrote songs to deal with it. Whenever I got to Nashville is when I really poured into songwriting. Uh, I think my first stage in Nashville was Miss Debbie Champion's Writer's Night over at uh, the Commodore and played out there and, and fell in love with songs and songwriting. And it's been that's all I've wanted to do ever since. Did you start off writing solo or were you a co-writer from the get-go? I've been writing solo. I just really started doing co-writes in the last five years. 
And uh, now it's more me taking my old songs to my, my writing buddies and like, what do y'all think about this? Let's, and then they, they usually help me fix it. And I think writing with other people, especially when you're younger and trying to get your first songs out there, you really need somebody that knows all the ins and outs of writing to, to actually pull those things together. And you learn from it and, and become a better writer and a better musician in the process. Well, speaking of learning from others, you have toured with Tanya Tucker, Colt Ford, Kane Brown. What's it like to be in the presence of these successful artists, and what have they taught you? It's intimidating. <laughs> no, <laughs> Tanya's the sweetest lady in the world. I think I learned the most from that show, because when you watch a li living legend walk out on stage and do what she does, it's amazing. And then all the other guys, we, we, you know, it's just fantastic being around pro guys with pro bands that are out there doing this every night. And you really get to take that in and take it home. And, you know, I've got some real great players, too. And we all learn from that stuff and, and how to put our sets together and our shows together. You know, we still don't get it right half the time, but we're out there trying. During quarantine, tell us how you stayed connected to your fans. We did a lot of Facebook lives. And I, I took a lot of time off of the quarantine. And I just hung out on the river and drank beer and, and you played fished. guitars and fished. <laughs> you know, I fished and played guitars and and wrote songs, and I, I wrote almost my entire new album during that time. And I think a lot of people did, took time to reflect, and people went back home and, and figured out who they were going to be after this was all over and, and what they were going to try to do. And I really poured it into writing and, and getting ready to come out with this record this year. There's so many books that have come out and so many albums that have come out because those people who were able to have the time off to think a complete thought, to come in off the road, to be with their loved ones and to just put it all down on paper has been pretty phenomenal right after the pandemic. I can't wait. There's a bunch of buddies of mine that are releasing records this year yeah. and along with us. And, and I can't wait to hear some of this music because I know a lot of people did the same thing I did. We wrote some of the best stuff that we've ever wrote, you know, out of this. And we did a lot of Skype writes with, uh, yeah. with buddies that were in Nashville. Some of them went back to Georgia, some of them in Alabama. And yeah. We got to write with a bunch of cool people and we, we kept it going, you know, and I, I'm, I'm glad to see that everybody banded together and helped each other out. I am told that your love of bourbon and the home state of Kentucky is pretty strong. I, Please elaborate. I do like bourbon. <laughs> that is a thing I like. Is um, there a specific brand of bourbon that is just your thing? I mean, give us your best. I've always been a Maker's Mark fan All I mean, right. from, from the get-go. I would love to ask you, just as a, someone who's a fan of country music, when you think of Glenn Campbell, what song do you think of and what does it feel like to be here just about to sing on the rhinestone stage. I mean, the, the rhinestone cowboy. And, yeah, baby. And, and all that, you know, just looking around at the history in this room is incredible. And uh, I'm definitely going to get me one of them jackets. I don't know who I need to talk to about that. We all need a person who believes in us. Has there been somebody in your life who maybe said to you early on, you know, Dustin, you could be really good at this? My mom and my stepdad have always supported my music. My stepdad, he, you know, he was hard on me uh, with the music stuff and never let me slack and always made sure I was doing it right. My buddy Brad over here, you all meet him. He's been a positive influence from the time I met him to just keep the music going. And my family and my friends and support group back home, they're everything to me and everybody out there that watches us and buys our music and streams our music and comes to shows, all of it. And it's all the things that keep me going. Family, friends, hard work, and keeping the music going. Here's Dustin Collins with one of his latest songs, Working Man. Hey John Deere, it's a new hauling. Just look at the boat I'm 
there they are, Candy O'Terry and J.C. Don Valeris, two award-winning interviewers who are respected and trusted right here in Nashville. Do us a favor and hit that subscribe button right now and tell your friends about the show. Follow them at Country Music Success Stories and on TikTok at Candy and JC. 